Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 55 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. We are back for part two of my conversation with my very good friend, Anthony. If you didn't hear part one, go back and listen to episode 54. But today we get to dive into even more about his struggle with anxiety, um, kind of how mental health has a history in his family, and how he doesn't have an official diagnosis, but he found medication to help him nonetheless. Plus, this week we get into all of the coping mechanisms and everything that he's done to help himself through the hard days and through his struggles. I think, Anthony, you brought up so many good points and so many tips and tricks that I think a lot of people will love. So I hope you guys like this episode and I will be back with another interview in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. I I feel like I don't know how to relax completely. Like, I always have to be doing something. I'm always busy. I'm always, like, my brain is all over the place all the time. Like, I'm thinking yeah. about different things and I... If you ask anybody that knows me really well, they're like, no, she does not relax ever. She's always go, go, go. And I think that has a lot to do with, like, my own anxiety and ADHD and all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, and, like, the the thing, too, is, like, I have a lot of cousins because I have big families on both sides. And the cousins that I have in Calgary, they're pretty much all ADHD. They probably have, like, 40 or 50 of them in Calgary and they're, they're all like that so like and then my dad's sister his oldest sister Stella's bipolar as well so like it's all over the place in the family and that's where when I talked to her like after the medication started working she said okay now the question is going to be here how much effort do you want to spend trying to figure out what your actual diagnosis is or do you want to find medication that works and just okay we know it's mm-hmm. a Something like anxiety, you get the, these problems and this problem. The deeper you want to go, the harder it's going to be. And there may not necessarily be any positives from it. If we get something that works for you, stick with it. And then if later on you want to try to like concretely nail down what exactly the issue is, we can. But she said it's not necessarily needed if it works, right? Oh. And, that's, and that's kind of been like, I think that's helped my anxiety a little bit is just okay, we have something that works. I know what what to do now when, like, it does get up a little bit and I do have problems with it. I know how to manage it now. And that's another thing that I never learned how to do before and it's kind of work, working at the feed mill has kind of helped out a little bit because you, like, stress management, I never understood what that was. When you have coworkers that stress out about the stupidest shit, and then realizing, like, I'm not experiencing any emotion around that. In the grand scheme of things, that doesn't fucking matter. So it's clearly something that it's not needed. Like, it's not something that I need to be worried about because nobody else is worried about it. So it's obviously not that big of a deal. And that's where you also have to rely a little bit on the people around you knowing what they're doing. Because if they're not, 
if they're not freaking out, it kind of gives you a sounding board. It's been kind of nice because I think there's like 15 or 16 of us at, at my job. So, and there's, let me see if he's, there's 10 of us that do the product, the actual production part of it. So it gives you, there's 10 people that you can kind of mentally use as a sounding board. If nine out of 10 of them aren't worried about it, I probably shouldn't be either. So it allows me to like transfer my energy to something else that actually matters. Right. And then because it's a little bit, it's a little bit rough when you buy yourself because you don't have that sounding board. So like knowing when you can use one and how to use them properly without just being basically like everybody else, like that mm -hmm. saying goes, um, it gives you a little bit of information and like know how to learn if they're not worried about these things outside of work too, then okay, well, I have to work on like not being as worried about that because it doesn't matter as much as I think it probably does. And yeah, it's just, it's been a huge help learning essentially what my limits are, right? Cause that's what a lot of that is, is that's limits of, okay, this is a limit of don't worry about it. This is a limit of worry about it. This is a limit of I need to be stressed out about it. Yeah. It's, it's been, and the one thing that I've found too is once I, like my anxiety started getting under control. I had a lot easier time dealing with my finances too. That's a big like potential disaster waiting to happen. Like it was when I was younger because that didn't do things so smartly with my finances. But just like once you start to calm down and learn, okay, some of this stuff, don't fight what you're naturally wanting to do. Use it to your advantage. And like that's something that I learned in sports when I was younger, but I never really thought to apply it to other stuff. And then once I started like calming down and I was able to realize, okay, my natural tendency is to spend money. If I spend it all right away in that way of pay all my bills, payday, all my bills are paid, grocery shopping's done, um, my savings have been transferred so I can't touch them. I don't have a potential issue waiting, the big giant, basically thing waiting to explode in my face, right? Mm -hmm. It's been nice just because that, that's, while it's, it is a major thing to worry about, it was a secondary thing to worry about at the time when I was trying to like get it under control because that was bigger than the finances because if I'm not okay, then the finances don't matter, right? So learning, learning, okay, yeah, this is my biggest thing now. Okay, yeah, that's taken care of. My next biggest thing is this. And then my next biggest thing is this. And like, I feel like I've gotten to the point where, my next decision is, Kate, do I want to live out here forever? And I've kind of just decided, like, because work hasn't been treating me very well, that it's not worth it to not be treated very well, even if you're making all right money at it. So I'd rather be living in Calgary with my siblings where, you know, we don't, we don't talk about the religion side of things because I made that very clear that because I stopped talking to my mom basically when I hit 18 until I was about, 26 or 27 and the rule to to us talking was that decisions that i make you're not allowed to question them if you question them we're not talking anymore because it's hard enough having to deal with myself with it that i don't need to deal with six more versions of me trying to decide whether i made the right decision or not right it's just too much stress and like it's not that part that hasn't been an issue like, even though it was growing up and that's where picking your battles thing was important because I've kind of arrived at the point where I feel like 
Now, I, I, know, I don't know, like, if this is something you normally bring up, but the whole idea of God and everything, I've kind of dismissed it. So, like, it makes for really awkward times sometimes when you're at home and your whole family's religious, and that's where I just don't talk about it. Nobody wins with that because they're, they're not, like, adults when they talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. It turns into a yelling match for no reason. And so, like, I just, they go do their church thing on Sunday when I'm there, and then I come, they come home and I'm at home and, like, Nobody really says anything, so we just kind of, like, leave it at that. Even though it's not the perfect scenario, I guess it it works kind of thing and makes it so that we can still be in each other's lives without it being this huge, big deal. It's just a fight all the time. And, like, I've never told them that I I don't – I never actually directly told them I don't believe God's real anymore. But it's one of those things that if you bring it up, who's – is anybody going to – like, there's no winners in that scenario, right? So it's not a battle that's worth fighting because six of the seven minds, I have no say in how they feel about things. So I need to decide, is that a fight I need to pick? And I've decided that it's not. So I just kind of leave it alone just so that way it's not any harder than it needs to be. Like I know, I know like my youngest brother, he went from being basically, so I'm not sure how much you know about Christians and all that, but uh, there's a lot of different sects. But the one that my family belonged to, they still do Mass in Latin. And it's all basically their Council of... Uh, Council of Nyson? No, Council of Trent. Oh, yeah, yeah, Trent, because it's Trentine, right? So, yeah. Um, which is basically the response that the church had when Martin Luther had his Reformation. And that's literally where their whole like thought line is, is that it's in that frame, in that time period still. So, like, there's a lot of stuff that's just really old thinking that a lot of people have just decided that it's kind of trash, basically. Um, But Thomas, basically, he became a Christian, and that to them is a huge step backwards because they consider it, like, a liberal, liberalized version of things, so they consider it as taboo, too. So, like, it was a big deal because apparently... My mom and my oldest brother stopped talking to him for like a week after he told them that he was wasn't going to mass anymore. He was going to like the born again Christian church, and it did not sit well with them. But I just told him, I said, just do whatever makes you happy. You have no control over what other people think of you as much as you think you do. You have no control over what somebody thinks of you, and that's something that when you 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 accept that it's kind of freeing because then you realize you only have to live your life for you, not anybody else. Like they're not the ones having to live it. They don't have to answer to your own head about stuff anymore. So there's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of information that you have to sift through and try to decide. And that's where my brain being all over the place has somewhat helped because I can, it helps me see, okay, scenario A has, one of three or four different resolutions. One is all in all, one's nothing, and then two are in the middle somewhere. And that's kind of really been able to help me decide on a lot of things where I stand. Because, Kate, I don't like the idea of the all, I don't like the idea of nothing, so I'm somewhere in the middle. And I started to realize that with a lot of different things, be it politics or just life in general about things, I'm very much in the middle with a lot of it. And I try to just assess things on their own individual merits as opposed to like a whole ideology overall. 
kind of thing. So like more liberal people or not the big thing too that I still struggle with sometimes is my family being religious. They label everything as liberal, conservative, and like everything has a label for what people do. And I do still sometimes struggle with trying to mentally remove that label as being an actual thing because majority of people don't fit in perfectly into any of those. So like, it just seems completely pointless to have it if you don't fit in, if they don't fit into these conformities that they've created. So rather than do that, you have to accept people on their individual understanding individually why they've arrived, where they've arrived as far as where they, what their thinking is. Yeah. Like I'm sure you, you understand like all that, the kinds of information that your brain goes through and that's just inside of a day. Like mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, there's a lot going on and sometimes you can get overwhelming, but that's where having some distractions can be helpful. Like having my pets is really handy sometimes because when you don't want to like think about it, you can just play with them and you kind of just forget about it and you go sit down on the couch and it's like, what was even wrong? I have no idea. And that's okay. <laughs> so it sounds like, there's a lot of mental health concerns in your family for yeah. you aren't addressed. Do you think that your mental health issues are like come from genetics or from kind of the environment that you grew up in and your family? There is some genetics to it just because obviously with my aunt also being bipolar and then having a lot of cousins that are that have been diagnosed with ADHD and some of that is, but also some of it is the uh, situation being where a lot of those diagnoses are, don't happen until later in life because they don't accept them as being a real thing. You're just being a brat is basically what it is to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like it's partially genetics, but it's exact exacerbated by not having a proper uh, evaluation system of okay, there's something wrong with them. There's very little to no control over this. We need to do something about it. So, like, it is genetic, but it's also could have been uh, dealt with better. Mm-hmm. Because, like, these things, they clearly happen because literally that's what's going on so much in the world right now. Like, with just things between things like school shootings and the effects that the COVID, a lot of the COVID lockdowns have had on people where it's significantly affected their uh, their mental health because of their inability to hang out with people sometimes. And so, like, it's it's front and center so much right now, and it, need, it needs to be talked about more, and it needs to be more, like, paid attention to because at the end of the day, the, things that I, the thing that I learned is the only two things that matter are, are you happy and... Oh, I forgot what the second one... <laughs> No, just because, like, so the reason that that came up is my youngest sister just had a kid the other day, and my mom's not talking to her because she's not married yet, and she had a kid. So she, they, they're not talking right now because of that. But when Rachel, like, kind of, like, talked to me and told me about, you know, this kind of happened with us, kind of similar to what happened with me, um, she's like, I hope you don't see me as any less of a person. It's like, you, you know what I've been through? You need to be you. And you have no control over what anybody else does. And the only thing that matters at the end of the day is, are you happy? If you're happy, everything else is secondary to that. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you're happy doesn't mean everything's perfect. It just means 
okay, you're at a good place. I could do with some improvements, but I'm with people that care about me, and and then that's that's a big thing. Is are you happy? And at the end of the day, if you can honestly answer yes, and the thing about that too is you answer that question to yourself. You don't need to answer that to anybody else. If somebody else questions, are you happy? But they they're more not they're more trying to poke holes. And if you say you are or aren't, if they're trying to poke holes in it, that's not productive, and that's not something you need. And that's where those people can kind of, kind of just need to go away because that's not. It's hard enough dealing with it on your own. You don't need somebody, another voice in your head, basically saying, "Oh, are you really happy though? You know, you could have done this better. You could have done that better. Yes, but those are things that I did in the past, and I can't change them now. And I've learned that I need to do this. And the next time a scenario comes up like this, uh, if I perform better in it and it." significantly better outcome i've clearly done the most that i can do with the bad situation that happened the first time and i turned it good this time so like it there's just yeah it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff to think about and very it's also partially it feels like it's a little bit of the product of the people that you're around too just because they can either really help you or really hurt you and that's where when you're younger you don't necessarily see that or understand how that works but as you get older, you start to see who those people are and who they aren't. You have to let go of the ones that it's not a good relationship with. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because, again, at the end of the day, the question is, are you happy? If you can answer that to yourself and understand what it means, everything else doesn't really, is secondary to that. And it's just over the last few years, is a lot of my siblings have talked to me about stuff because they, they tell me that I feel like I'm really grounded because I... I can go through, like, with my brain being so active all the time, I can go through all those scenarios in my head and be like, okay, this is a situation. You've got this number of scenarios that could end up happening. How do I basically make it the most ideal one without, you know, being completely ridiculous about stuff or, you know, just going over the, the deep end, right? And that's where, like, Thomas talked to me when that happened, where he decided to become becoming Christian. He reached out to me and we spent about, five or six hours on the on a video call the one day talking about it and like you could just see by the time we've done the like the relief on his face that somebody does understand what he's going through he understood a little bit of the depth of some of the stuff that i went through because when i was when i got home after boarding school because i went to boarding school in kansas because there was a, a school there that taught all the all that stuff um I was home for about three months before I ended up moving out. And one of the things that really exacerbated that was my oldest sister, she had gone there when she was younger, but she only did uh, eighth and ninth and 10th grade, I think. And then she came back and did 11th and 12th through homeschooling. But then things kind of broke down there and she went and started dating this guy that we had known since we were younger. Like when we, we moved out onto an acreage outside of Rocky when I was about uh, it would have been 95, so it would have been 6. Um, and they lived just up the road. And she went and started seeing him in, what was it, 12th grade, I think. And then she got pregnant with Brendan before she was married. And that is basically what caused that to blow up. And then when I got back from high school, I went over there one time. And basically mom found out that I was there. I tried to tell Phil. Philip Teller was over at Adam College, one of Philip's friends, but she called him and 
of course I wasn't there. So that kind of ended up blowing up. And then I ended up moving in with them for, I was there for about three months and I got my own place. And then, yeah, like that's where Rachel's talk, talked to me a fair bit about stuff because she's kind of gone through the same, a little bit of the same thing with getting in the fight with mom about, about her decisions with stuff and then not falling in line with their religion kind of thing and being chastised for it. And she, she was kind of just looking to see like how I dealt with it. And I had to tell her, look, the way I dealt with it was not good. It did not go well for a long time, but at the end of the day, the only thing, the only question that you have to ask is, are you happy? And are you making the world a less shittier place than when you got here? And if you can answer both, yes to both of those questions, you can you can figure the rest of it out. Like that's kind of just you have to find your grounding, basically your grounding rod a little bit. And those are basically the, the questions that that I've asked and I've had to answer sometimes, especially like asking that when you're not doing so hot or you you've done something that you don't entirely like yourself for doing. Because that's another one is when that happens, that your head has got to be the worst place to be because it just keeps going over and over again and it's not a good time. So was there kind of like a low point or a turning point for you when you realized that your anxiety was like taking over or that you needed help or, or like needed to change something for you? I was, I realized something wasn't quite right, basically from the time I was about 16 until I was about 25, but not knowing how to evaluate it, mm-hmm. it made it impossible to try to figure out what was wrong. And like there wasn't, I wouldn't say there was one event or one situation that caused it. It was just an accumulation of going through those extreme highs and extreme lows, especially when like you, you would go drinking, that one was rough. And being, you know, teenage guys in Regina, we basically went drinking every weekend when I was living there. So it was like that extreme up and down, you kind of realize, okay, you need to do something to like even this out because you're not able to make anything work. And then, it gets to the point where, okay, I moved out here. I wasn't in it as, as much, but the ups and downs were still there. So the issue obviously wasn't alcohol. So then I was, okay, it was something else. I spent probably about a year trying to figure out what it was, and I couldn't figure it out on my own, and that's when I went and asked my doctor. And, like, so it wasn't one particular event. It was more of just a series of them, and that's where I said I could, you know, I kind of got a little lucky that, I didn't need to hit that rock bottom that a lot of people do. Like there was no, I didn't have to worry about self-harming hasn't really been an issue for me. Um, Obviously there is a level of depression there with the lows, but it never became like an overpowering issue for me. So that kind of was also a good thing and a bad thing because that kind of also left me off of seeking help sooner because that wasn't there. And I thought, okay, well, if something was really wrong, this should be more severe, and it's, and it's not. So that kind of held me back a little bit for asking for professional help. And then the other thing that I had to kind of think of too is, okay, am I, I'm not, am I just doing this for attention? Because that was a, 
that was a huge problem from the time I was like 15, 16 till I was 25 is so much of the stuff that I was doing was because I felt like I wasn't getting attention and that I needed it and any attention was a good, good attention and it's not. I started to notice that, you probably noticed it too over the last few years that it's, I stopped doing things that generate attention and it's more just about, you know, like I'll, I'll talk to you about just other stuff that is more, you know, just about everyday life, you know, like it's a lot less of like the really heavy shit or of the really like complicated stuff. But yeah, like I feel like not having a more severe version of depression where results in self harm may have held me back a little bit just because I know so many people suffer with it. I don't want to like clog up the system by just being another person in there that's just looking for attention, right? Like I didn't want to be that person. So it did hold me back a bit, but it was also almost, it was a little bit impulsive asking about that because actually my doctor's appointment was when I cut my hand and she was looking at it and then she left and then when she came back, I'm like, Could, would I be able to talk to you alone about something? And that's when I talked to her about it and that's when she's like, oh yeah, this is this is what it is. We can uh, do a combination of medication and therapy. We can do a combination of, we can do just therapy or we can do just medication. Um she said, what I suggest starting with from the description is we'll start with just medication. You can add therapy in if you feel you need it. Or we can take the medication away entirely if it's not helping. Um, and just like having her being so enthusiastic about wanting to get the best possible outcome for me was made all the difference in the world of me being able to follow through with it. Because that was that's another issue. I'm sure you know is trying to follow through on stuff that's scary. It's really hard to do. It was yeah. It's a it was a combination of like just being lucky with the people that I was around was what a lot of that was. You said that you have never officially been diagnosed either. No, no. Does that bother you at all, not knowing, or that it hasn't been like I guess confirmed for you? Not really, because what I've been doing has been working so well for so long. I have this impression, and I'm not sure if it's right, but trying to get a definitive diagnosis mentally can be fairly intrusive. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit intimidated by that. Yeah. Being says, okay, having an official diagnosis, is that going to change much of anything for me? Because I figured out things that have worked, and I've, I've learned how to like try to take advantage of just the way that I naturally am with things. And just instead of fighting it, just try to like use it to my advantage. So I feel like an official diagnosis may, it doesn't seem like it would be any positive effect, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, it might give me a label for it, but does that really help me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and then the one thing that was kind of, I kind of noticed that, sorry, I, I just blanked. <laughs> okay. I was going to say something about that psych course that I took, but I forgot. The professor for that, she had tried, she tried to convince me to become a psych major. I decided against it because... I realized I wasn't able to process emotions properly because that's another thing that you have to learn how to do. And it turns out that's, that's a bitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not, not just processing, but acknowledging that you have them. And even if it's about something that doesn't matter, like I, w I was always under the impression that emotions were things like, Oh, when you get married or when you have a kid or, uh, when you go through like a major life breakthrough or something that those are the times you have emotions. But you always have emotions, and that's that's a l little bit of it's a lot of information. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Your anxiety and everything, is that something that you think that you are going to live with for the rest of your life? Or do you think that's something yeah. that you'll eventually kind of heal from? I think it'll end up being something that I deal with most of my life without knowing the future, obviously. It's kind of one of those things I'm just taking it one day at a time right now, but I have thought about it, but that's where my doctor, like, right now, like, he, he's sending me just for, like, some uh, blood tests just because uh, taking uh, these anti-anxieties for extended periods of time, they have side effects, so he's testing me to make sure that these aren't happening, and if they do, we might have to try to switch to something else or because uh, one of the things that my doctor recommended uh, initially was working out but I have issues with like not having somebody to motivate me to always be going kind of thing mm-hmm. and it I did work out for about a year but it was fairly it was kind of sporadic and so it wasn't consistent enough to feel like it was helping me so that is kind of why I decided to go with the medication route instead of like the uh, working out just because it's it's hard to get motivated to do that especially when it's just you and there's nothing like pushing you a little bit to go do it I kind of tend to not end up doing it so that's where knowing that part about myself was kind of important too it's hard to say I think it probably will be just because even now like when something stressful at work happens it surfaces so it's obviously not gone it's something that I've had three anxiety attacks in the last five years mm-hmm. like that's that's how little it's happened and so like it's still there obviously so I feel like it's probably going to be something I, I may go out of it I know your your brain chemistry does change every eight to ten years that's always in the back of my mind is it is possible that I'm going to be okay and that's where I do have to talk to my doctor and ask him okay if if the symptoms are going away, how am I going to know? Is the medication going to change how it's behaving with me? Or is something else going to happen? Or will I not know unless we try to, unless I try to go off of it? So, like, I still have to ask about that. But I was going to ask about that because I have... My appointment's not for another couple of weeks yet, but when I want to do that blood test stuff and then he's going to have the results for it and stuff and go over it, I'm going to ask him about that. Mm-hmm. Because that's that like you said it's been kind of a little bit in the back of my head is it's going to be something I'm going to have forever am I going to get better with it or or what but so I'll I'll talk to him about it and I'll see and just kind of go from there because it's again just one of those things that it's an interesting idea to think about but it does give me anxiety thinking about a little bit so I've kind of like it's it's a fleeting thought yeah (laughs) it's a double-edged sword yeah yeah, it's not, yeah. But that's where, again, kind of knowing and understanding how it affects you is good because then you know what questions to ask and which ones to kind of stay away from a little bit because, yeah, there's not, it's not always a good time when you ask some of the hard questions. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to set yourself back because it takes a lot of effort to get here. Mm-hmm. So you found medication that works for you, which is yeah. amazing. So, yep. does your anxiety affect your day-to-day life anymore? Um, 99% no. And that's because I've learned one of the big things was you got to pick your fights. So, if there's, you have to evaluate, okay, if I pick this fight, is there going to be a winner? Like, as dumb as that sounds, is, is anybody going to win from this? Because if nobody's going to win from this, 
it's not worth my effort. And that's where I think some of it is a certain amount of maturity about understanding what it is and when to uh, not necessarily give into it, but when to explore the idea a little bit. And yeah, cause like that's, that's a question sometimes too, is my doctor be like, okay, how's, how's your anxiety levels, how are your stress levels? And then trying to differentiate what I'm feeling from what normal stress levels are is really hard to tell the difference. Um, but that's where I try to use a little bit like my anxiety attacks as like, okay, that's too much. That part's too much. Or like if I don't feel something about a scenario that I probably should, I know that, okay, yeah, that's not entirely right. So maybe I need to like, re- like think about this a little bit and try to figure out why I'm not feeling anything when I should be. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where kind of work is a little bit helpful because I regularly have to assess it as opposed to like it being more sporadic in your personal life where like stressful situations can sometimes be a little bit further in between as opposed to a job where like the stress is not constant, but it's a lot more rapid fire. Mm-hmm. So it, it does give me a little bit of a chance to really test things out. So, okay, if I feel that I've got this under control, if I feel that this is out of control and this uh, specific scenario like triggered it, the next time I go through that, if the outcome's the same, okay, well, I got to figure out what am I going to do about it? Is this uh, a work issue? Is it my anxiety? And that's and that's where knowing how I react in these situations all the time, you have to kind of store the information a little bit in your head so that way you can assess, okay, let's say it's happened 100 times and 95 times out of 100 I've been okay with it. Okay, well, I'm probably doing okay with it then. But if it's 50-50, okay, maybe – Maybe I need to go find a different route here or uh, figure out better stress management for it. And that's where my coworkers have been huge because, like, I'll go over to their place, like Colton's place I just finished doing his floors. Like, we did a little bit of a – they knocked a wall down and they flipped their closets around, and I did the work there. And, like, they were really chill to deal with, and it was, it was actually quite fun. Like, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it having that there really helps reset yourself and then too like the other nice thing is like we play games on like online video games it allows us to hang out doing that too so it's like okay even with covid we might not be able to hang out as much but we can still we can still visit with each other like that and it's a really good stress reliever and it just really helps me feel better sometimes so Mm -hmm. it's been really good that way then like Christian, I go golfing with him sometimes. Like in the summer, last summer, I went golfing with him five or six times, and that was a lot of fun. He doesn't really uh, hang out with people outside of work, so the fact that I could get him to come out with me, everybody at work was really happy about that because we were like, we need to try to get Christian to hang out with us outside of work because we know he likes us because we talk and bullshit and, like, you know, have fun together and stuff and laugh. And so, like, obviously, like, you know, he, but we think he's a little bit, like, shy because he's been – one of those people that pretty much just hangs out with his family kind of thing. And I don't think he's used to so much like hanging out with other people a whole lot. So just getting him to come out with me has been good. So we're trying to get him to come over to Colton's sometime, but he, he'll he be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. And so like understanding the will back off a little bit. And then next time we ask, we're like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. We could try that. So like just kind of like understanding that I was there at a point mentally too knowing kind of 
having somebody not necessarily to push it, but to understand where you're coming from and like make you realize that people do like to hang out with you and that you're worth hanging out with. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. So like I'm trying to help help him navigate that a little bit because you can tell like he wants he, he seems like he wants to hang out. Like he hasn't said it directly. Obvious. Well, he has said it directly, but like it's you can tell he's just kind of seems shy about it. So just kind of taking it a little bit slow, but it's, it's been nice because like we went golfing and he has lots of fun with that. I had fun with that. And that's where having, like I said, friends that do all sorts of different things all the time makes you realize that it's not even one particular thing that you like doing. It's just who you do it with. And yeah, so like it's, it's been nice because it allows you to kind of transfer some of your energy. Sometimes if you know, you're kind of feeling a little bit down, it lets you, focus some of your energy on what you feel is helping somebody else with something that I don't know if he necessarily knows he might be struggling with it or not, but yeah, I don't know if that makes sense or not. But mm-hmm. So it sounds like socializing and like human interaction is huge for your mental health. Yeah. What other kind of coping mechanisms do you use when you're going through those hard days? So, so far, like being at work, there's only been like two bad days where like socializing hasn't been able to help and both of those were within the last year and I didn't deal with it very well so I don't necessarily know that I have a quite as effective as a coping mechanism as I hope as I hoped I had um just based on the fact that I have had a couple bad days where the socializing didn't help I basically they both happened on a Friday and I basically just went home and I was kind of felt like shit all weekend but that's where I have to maybe look at some other options as far as if socializing doesn't do it, where where kind of look to try to cope with it because there's been situations where it hasn't worked in. I have to try to like find some other things, I think. And the one thing that can't kind of help is if it's in the summer, which unfortunately it wasn't both times, but I have to, like I'm working on my house, right? And that's a huge stress reliever. So like if it happens in the summer, I'll go home and I get, and I kind of have energy because my brain's kind of going 100 miles an hour. I can go work on. I'm I'm sanding down my exterior right now because wood siding. Um, it gives me somewhere to put my energy and kind of like transfer it. But I do need to find a better way to do it in the winter because that's when mm-hmm. it's more stressful time for us because that's our higher production time. So like it, I do need to try to find something that, like I said, works a little better because it's there have been times where socializing doesn't work and just the smaller things that I would, that I do sometimes like, cause sometimes when it's like a little bit of a shitty day, but not like really bad, I get home and like both my cats give me at the door and that just makes me like super happy. Cause Oh, they're happy to see me. Cause they both come up. Like as soon as I open the door, they both come running and they want to get pet. I do have a bunch of little things, but yeah, I do need a way to deal with it better. Like at the really bad days. Cause yeah, those, it hasn't worked as well. It hasn't worked. Because I, I'm one of the people when I'm like really feeling bad, I don't want to socialize. Mm-hmm. So like I kind of isolate myself. So I have to, I am looking into finding stuff that works better. And I'm open to suggestions if you have any, because yeah, it's not a good time. <laughs> Do you journal at all? No. Because I find, for me at least, that helps me a lot. Um, well, my coping mechanisms, like I cook a lot, obviously. Um, yeah. That, that actually is a big help for me, actually. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, like I like cooking food and 
I recently, like, uh, for Christmas, I got a bunch of Amazon gift cards and I got an air fryer. Oh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> I love it. And, like, I figured out how to get, like, hard rub crusts on meat. Mmm, yeah. Oh, I know. It, it's it's good because, like, I, I've been buying, like, pork loins, like, whole pork loins. And I just cut them up. Mm-hmm. And then I cook those in the air fryer. And, like, they, they have a hardened crust. And it just, oh, it's so good. Like, I don't even need a knife to cut it. It's just the fork just sinks right through it. And it's like, oh, this is so good. Yeah, um, that sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I u- like to use my uh, slow cooker a lot too. Yeah. Because that one's really easy. And then, uh, like, I've barely used my oven since I got my air fryer. Like, I think I've turned it on twice. Yeah. And then I also like to barbecue a lot too in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much, that's pretty much how I cook in the summer is with the barbecue because you don't have to generate heat because it gets really hot here in the summer. Yeah. And it's humid. It'll hit, like, we get regular days where it's 35, 36 degrees, and then the humidity is, like, 90%, and it's just rough. So, like, having to turn the oven on is, it's not good. Um, considering my windows don't open either, so I don't really have ventilation. Yeah, yeah. that's why, one of the reasons why I'm renovating it is because there are those old single-pane windows. Yeah. So they don't, they don't open. Yeah, like, I'll use cooking a little bit and then sometimes working on my house and then... One thing that I actually find kind of helps too a little bit is if somebody's having a problem with something, troubleshooting, and you figure it out, I find that's like really rewarding. So that can kind of help too. So like somebody's having a problem with their vehicle or somebody's having a problem with, like my buddy has problems with his computer sometimes and I can, I've been able to fix it every time. So like it's satisfying. Somebody comes to you with a problem and is like, oh yeah, do this. And then it's, yeah, fix it. And that fixes it and it's like, kind of makes you feel good because then you feel for for lack of a better word useful mm-hmm. oh i get that yep <laughs> but the the weird part is so like i've been like one thing that colin's kind of steered me towards is reading a lot about some of the phases that we have in society that don't make that are kind of like dark if you think about it like one that really i never really thought about until he pointed it out to me he said Do you ever think about why they call it earning a living because it makes it sound like the default position is that you don't deserve to live. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of just was like, oh. That, like, I never really thought about that. And, like, it's, there's a thread on Reddit called anti-work. It's not what it sounds like. It's not people just wanting to freeload or anything like that. It's about how certain things should be happening because, you know, people obviously can't afford a lot of things. Uh... People are going untreated medically because they don't have money, and that's not how it should be. That's not what should be dictating that, and it's kind of a lot what that thread's about, and you kind of realize a lot of these are some of the limitations that we have as society right now that need to be addressed kind of thing, and just kind of realizing how much certain things have do have some control over your life, but, the, but then at the same time, you, I don't go too deep into it because there's obviously the rabbit hole of it kind of turns into conspiracy theories pretty quick. But uh, it's kind of a nice distraction sometimes. It just makes you think about other stuff that you mm-hmm. wouldn't normally think about and kind of just refocus your energy on something that's not, oh, I'm not doing this good enough. I'm not doing that good enough. This kind of just refocuses your energy on something that's like, oh, that's something to think about now. Like, this is this is interesting. Like, I, it, it's a really good point. Like, this country does it and it's 
worked out really well for reason A, B, and C. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. And then, yeah, it kind of it's an, it gives you something to focus on other than just yourself, which can be a little bit exhausting sometimes because just the amount of stuff that goes through your head, it can get a little bit overwhelming sometimes. Mm-hmm. So your um, anxiety attacks are very far and few between now, which is fantastic. But do you know kind of what your triggers are now? The only one that I've been able to identify is basically really high stress. Okay. Like it's they're not specific and that's where like when I was talking to my doctor I remember that from that psych course that I took is they, they differentiate between panic and anxiety um, panic is specific triggered anxiety is general trigger mm-hmm. something as simple as stress is considered a general because it's not one specific thing like a spider or heights or anything like that and that's another thing so since I started taking my medications I'm not scared of heights anymore I'm not scared of like being up on scaffolds on the sides of buildings or anything like stuff that normally would make that would make me uneasy when I was doing construction doesn't bother me anymore. Oh wow. That's really so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so like uh, it made me wonder okay, it wasn't necessarily the specific thing that was doing it. It was just my anxiety in general and then it was heightened by that. So like the fact that it's gone, that's why the specific triggers, that's why I I have been calling them anxiety attacks, not panic attacks, is because mm-hmm. they've not they've not been specific stimulus. So like um, heights or uh, being in like unfamiliar situations. Um, the two s- scenarios were both high danger, unfamiliar situations. So like one of them was a fire in the hammer mill, and the other one was a bin entry, and my foot started to sink into the uh, grain, and that scared the shit out of me because well. If you get sucked into grain, you can't get pulled out. They have to empty the bin. And so kind of all those thoughts go through your head and just makes it hard to breathe. They were both very high danger and unfamiliar situations for me. So that's kind of where uh, I've learned that arises from. And that can be helpful in that once I, once I think about the situation, okay, this is unfamiliar and this is high stress. I'm having an anxiety attack. Okay, I need to focus on what do I know? How do I deal with this? Like just focus on like I've been trained for most of it so try to focus on what you know and how do I remove the danger how do I get myself into a better situation and then that kind of distracts distracted me mentally during the like that fire in the hammer mill it distracted me enough that the anxiety had completely dissipated by the time I went back to basically gone back that after I was done doing what I could do to prevent it from being uh uh, mill fire so like it, distracting it enough until my general anxiety came down enough that I could manage it and deal with it once I had uh, mitigated the situation to a point where you know okay now now that I think about it it's not going to overwhelm me and I'll be okay trying to decide you know how do I manage this right mm-hmm. and that was one thing that like the doctor he was pretty impressed by saying yeah just falling back on your training is and then diverting the attention away until the stressful situation was gone then dealing with it because it's a lot easier to deal with when that situation isn't time sensitive anymore and then you can kind of gives you time to fully process things as opposed to only the things that immediately come to your head because with the amount of information that I try to deal with my anxiety goes into overdrive it makes it really hard to pick out the right ideas 
but when that time scenario goes away, when you think about it, you kind of end up eventually finding, I, at least I do, eventually finding a path that kind of helps me kind of reduce my anxiety, kind of not come to terms with it, but more just like level it out, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have two more questions that I ask uh, most guests that come on the podcast. So the first one is kind of looking back over your whole journey. Is there any advice that you would give your younger self? Or is there any advice that you wish that you would have received when you were kind of at the beginning of all of this? It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Like, for sure. Like, there's nothing wrong with not being okay. It doesn't mean you're weak. There's nothing wrong with needing help because at some point in everybody's life, they need it and you're being selfish by not getting that help and you're only hurting yourself. So mm-hmm. once you kind of arrive at that, that arrival kind of felt like its own catharsis in its, in its own way, because then once you get there, you can kind of accept the fact that, okay, I got to figure out what to do, but I'm halfway there already. However, this journey takes me, it's going to be, it feels like it's going to be okay because I've gone to the right people that can help me. I can learn from my own ways of doing things, how to reduce it, reduce it as much as possible, how to manage it when you can't reduce it, how to, you know, just make everyday life livable. And then the biggest change being that I'm living in the now. And as much as people say that until, until you've gone from living in the future in the past to just living in the now, it doesn't entirely make sense what that means. And then once you arrive there, you're like, this this is exactly what I've been looking for for so long. It being natural, not having to force myself to try to do it anymore, where it allows me to just be in the moment. And the other thing, too, is that doing that now, being able to feel emotion is the other thing, because that, that felt almost like it not went away, but because it's nowhere near as intense, it feels like you're not feeling the emotion anymore but that's not the case because you're still it's just not overwhelming anymore but that that's kind of one thing that takes a little bit of getting used to is it's not as doesn't need to be like soul crushing intense every time something happens yeah. yeah and just little things can be you can experience emotion just from a little thing just somebody texting you and saying hi that you haven't talked to in a while like that making you happy and it not being like an overwhelming sensation that you kind of have to like distance yourself from a little bit until you can process it. It's such a relief. Mm-hmm. Okay. My last question for you. Okay. Um, is there a stigma or a misconception surrounding mental health that bothers you the most or one that you hear most often that isn't true? So like with my dad, with, you know, the whole religious background thing, the one that bothered me the most was people that weren't in this situation saying nothing was wrong because they didn't experience it. When the bipolar is so bad that when his episodes get so strong, he can't even talk. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me nothing's wrong. Like you weren't mm-hmm. fucking there. Like, no, like that is not true. Like it's, it's ridiculous when somebody like the, when the mental health issue gets so bad that the person loses the one thing that separates us from a lot of other animals is our ability to communicate, not all animals obviously, but like for a lot of them, and you lose that ability, it's that powerful, don't tell me nothing's wrong, like yeah. you're not there, you don't know, mm-hmm. and that that's the one that really bothered me for the longest time, like at first it didn't because 
well, I didn't entirely understand it. But then as I got older, it's just kind of like you weren't there. You didn't experience the day-to-day of it. You wouldn't understand. So just shut your mouth. Like you have no idea what's going on here. Stop talking like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one for me too. Well, that is kind of all the questions that I had for you. Was there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't really touch on? Not really. I was a little scatterbrained, and I apologize. Um, no, but you were fine. I, don't, I didn't feel like I was missing a whole lot. Like There's a lot of stuff I talked about that never really expressed out loud before, so it was kind of nice to be able to like walk somebody through it, especially when like you've been through it a little bit, so you know yeah. kind of... The, the mental journey you go through for every little thing and it's just and it's all just the little things and it's like it's exhausting it is sometimes and I know you were nervous to come on and I'm I hope that it was okay for you because oh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel pretty good right now like I don't feel nervous I don't feel anxious I don't feel bad at all I feel pretty good right now actually oh good Well, I want to thank you again for sharing everything with me and coming on and being open to sharing with everybody else too. Yeah. Because I know that's very uh, nerve wracking. Yeah, it's fairly like intimate information. But at the end of the day, if I can say one thing that maybe helps somebody else, it's worth it, right? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, like I said, some of the people being in my life at the right time I got lucky with that and that's where I understand how powerful it can be to have the right person say the right thing at the right time mm-hmm. and I can just change everything yeah that's like you were saying yesterday um just even a little text message yeah is yeah it can make the biggest difference yeah and like and that's where and it doesn't take a lot of effort either sometimes and that's where it can be nice and like that's when you know people really understand being human. Mm-hmm. Like that's just when it takes so little effort to do something that simple, there's no reason not to do it. Even if you don't do it as much as you want to, cause you know, you get busy and we're, you know, adults and we have busy lives, but just doing it every once in a while, just the very little effort it takes and the difference that it can make. It's, mm-hmm. it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. If, um, there's anyone listening that wants to reach out to you or has more questions for you. Are yeah. you open to that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and what is the best way for people to contact you? Uh, probably through email. Okay. Um, I can send you my email in text or something, and then you can add. I don't know how you add that. I, I've... I'll just put it in the description of the, oh. the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll add it to the bottom there and then, uh, I'll send it to you, sorry. And then you can add it to the bottom. Okay, that's perfect. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC. And you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.